Hello, my name's Gregory Wilker. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Live with Greg. Today is November 17th, 2019, and last night I learned that my podcast had way exceeded the resources I have to keep it alive as a video podcast. So I am actively working to move it to an audio podcast. The video is still available on my website, gregorywoker.com, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Live with Greg. Thanks for your support. You're taking a big step. <laughs> Live with Greg. <laughs> and I'm here with Antoinetta, who is a close friend for many years, and you want to break tradition and ask me questions. Well, not tons of questions. I'm just curious, since I know that a film or video in the past was a passion of yours, did that stir this? Or was it some, you know, something internal other than that that stirred this venture? Well, a passion is internal, right? Yeah, yeah. So it is internal, and it is definitely my desire to perform and create in entertainment and media that spurred this. Okay, so it was an offshoot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I was just curious. I had to ask right. to know. And how is your stand-up going? It's been on hold for a couple months. Okay, because I didn't, haven't gotten anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows when people are going to actually see this, but yeah, it's, it's the end of November. And I have a film project that I'm editing. But that, um, for whatever reason, I was like, I wasn't editing and I wasn't doing stand-up for the past couple of months, so um, yeah. I think I'm over that darkness, maybe, not on word. <laughs> <coughs> so now I'm uh, back to editing, and I have okay. to get that, yeah, get that under wraps, and then I'll go back down. Yeah, yeah. Life sort of gets in the way sometimes. Or we get in the way. I think that's what I got in the way. Like, it really, I would just sit there watching myself, like a deer in the headlights, just uh -huh. in shock. Uh -huh. just, so. Well, good that you're coming out. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Now your turn. All right. Um, what have you found in your life that keeps you engaged in being alive? Um, I think probably the core is service. And that comes in uh, many different forms. But I think really at the crux of it, that makes me feel like I'm contributing something. But that's one problem I have with when I'm concentrating on making jewelry. I feel like it's not that. You know, I've had other people tell me, oh no, you know, it's an art form and it's beauty and people like beauty and so you make somebody feel good, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't feel like that. 
it, you know, you, you're in there by yourself creating these things, and it, it just, since they are embellishments, it just doesn't give me that same feeling. It's a different um, aspect of creativity, but it doesn't fill that other spot. It's kind of funny. So um, I found that for me, service and, you know, whether it's um, cooking, which is more in the realm of where and how we met, or um, whether it's teaching, those are the ones that I feel um, is more giving to community than the other. So are you teaching cooking at the Redwoods? No, I'm not teaching cooking. I'm filling in for a lady who's a retired physical therapist. But she has um, two daughters, and so one of them lives close, and she takes care of the kids every now and then. One of them lives up north and is having a baby. So um, she basically asked me if I would come and uh, partially teach her class so that the students would get used to having me and then when she's away I've been teaching there so I've done um, I've done four classes without her there which I like a lot more than when she is there because she has her own style and way and what I do is a little different than you know what she does and how she does it and everything like that so um, it's been really interesting working with them you know, they're just really adorable in their own their own way. They're just like there's this one um, man and he has Parkinson's, so he doesn't always, like, he thinks he's straightening his leg, but it's bent, you know, or, or he thinks he's using his right arm, but he's using his left, you know, stuff like that. And he's just so adorable. He always says to me, you need to yell so that we can all hear you. This isn't a confessional. <laughs> do you have a Catholic background? Yes. You do? Yes, raised Roman Catholic. Wow. And um, <clears throat> were both your parents Italian? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so there was a very strong Roman Catholic Italian yeah. household you grew up yeah. in. Yeah. My definitely, you can see the difference between um, the generations. You know, like my dad's family was tight. Well, they came directly from Italy, whereas he was born here. So there's already a difference. But you can really like see the difference in the generations. Like you know, the other things infiltrating um, more so. Um, yeah, and then my. My mother's family and my father's family were slightly different from each other. My um, my mother's family, both her mom and her dad, uh, worked, you know, after the kids were... Well, my grandmother, after the kids were older, but my grandfather... But they worked for other people, whereas my dad's family were actually entrepreneurial. Um, my grandfather was um, in charge of the worker, the Italian workers at the docks, and uh, later they owned their own little store. And then when they retired from that, they owned their own apartment building. So you know they always were. It was like a little bit different um, than my mom's family. And my mom's family was lucky because my grandfather worked for Pfizer. 
And so he worked all through the Depression. Whereas my um, my father's family, they how his dad engineered getting through it is he rented an empty lot and made ice and delivered ice. How would he make ice? I don't I don't know the details of how, but that's what they did. They they must have had a water supply, and so he figured out a way to set up this lot for making blocks of ice and delivering, because, you know, refrigerators before used to have the blocks right. of ice in there. So then the boys would deliver the ice. So and did he do it commercially, do you know? Like, was it mostly was I it think mostly it was mostly local. I think it was... Well, I don't know about homes and, and restaurants, but I know that it was definitely local, you know, to close to where they were. So, um, yeah. Wow. But definitely full Italian, both sides. And was it, were you East Coast? Yeah, I was born in Brooklyn. And then when I was three, my dad bought a house on Long Island. <laughs> um, not that far. Well, actually, the two things that people know is I was in walking distance of Levittown when that whole area got done. That was like one of the first developments that became known where he did like you know pattern houses where um, and then we were also really really close to Hofstra University so those are the two things that people kind of usually know the name you know um, so this is total geography ignorance on my part oh that's okay that's but, okay Long I haven't Island. been there in so long <laughs> so Long Island you have Manhattan so and then Brooklyn's sort of at the south end of it across the river, right? Um, Long Island, uh, let's, let me think of So Long Island <coughs> actually pokes into the ocean going east oh. from the shoreline. So the farthest out is Suffolk County, then Nassau County, then Queens, then Kings County. Brooklyn is in Kings County. Okay, so you're still across, like you're heading further east from Brooklyn. Yeah, okay. yeah, we were in Nassau County, and then there's still one more out past us. And now people live like all the way out. I mean, they like drive in all that way. <laughs> and so, you know, like there's a stereotype of the Eastern Italian family that you see in movies. Yes, yes. Is there resonance of truth to that? Well, Edward, Vanessa's dad, would say yes, because he always had these images of the mafia. Like, he was, like, really afraid of the thought of even, like, having an East Coast wedding because he had this, like, image in his head, which is really kind of comical. Um, the, the thing that is probably the most true within my family that is often portrayed in film is we would go to my grandmother's and my mom's family and she comes from a family of six as well as we came from a family of six only one boy all the rest girls and they would sit down the women and they would all be talking at once and you would really wonder who was listening <laughs> But yet the reality is they're women 
and they could hear, even though they were, you know, it was hilarious. So that, like, everybody, you know, talking at once, and um, I don't know that I've ever seen this, or I can't think of a film that I've actually really seen this, but in in the not my grandma's like first two houses but uh, later where she lived in Queens in Forest Hills but men would all go downstairs in the basement and play cards the ladies would be upstairs in making the, the yeah making the food serving the food the guys would go back down cleaning the dishes you know having the demi tasks so that was like a real uh, thing that happened except for on holidays on real big holidays then we were in the front room which was bigger and everybody just piling <laughs> that was like speaking of Food. I don't, you know, when I think about how much food and how many courses, you know, like there would be the pasta and the meat and the meatballs and the sausage had to also be there, even if there was another meat and, you know, the salad and the vegetables. And then there'd be the, you know, pastries that everybody would like buy their favorite thing and bring it. It was it's a good thing that when you're young, your metabolism is fast. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Do you think it's possible to change your metabolism in, as, in your, like, elder state? I, I would consider us elders. Oh. You know? Right. So. <laughs> Been there for a while. Do you think it's possible to in, enhance um, or, or speed up one's metabolism? Well, I mean, they say if you exercise that your metabolism stays up from your exercise for a certain number of hours after it. So I guess you could say that is one way. I haven't really done a lot of research. I know there's something that's that I think Dr. Oz has been kind of toting called CLA that they say is another one of those things that our body stops making as we get older that does have to do with metabolism. But I haven't really like it, read any research on that or looked into it myself. Are you consciously choosing to walk from your home to the Redwoods? I'm trying to get more walking in because um, my, I guess I could say my newest thing was I studied for more than a year, maybe two years. Uh, this thing that now they've changed their name to nutritious movement whereas before it was called restorative exercise this woman Katie Bowman that has a master's degree in biomechanics decided to basically do her work using the human body so you know her I think her main research was actually really on the pelvic floor but in her research Um, And she had been a yoga instructor, a personal trainer. You know, she had done all those other things while she was making her way through. Um, But she has her own, like, very tiny little different fine points that you don't normally hear in regards to posture. And um, also, her theory is... We have basically... Well, I don't know. Your family's pretty good because I see them walking a lot. No, really. Like, always walking to the store and stuff like that. <laughs> you don't see that? Not anymore? It doesn't happen anymore? Not I, used to, really. oh, I used to always see Liz, like, walking with the kids. And yeah, All right. Well, um, anyway, 
So because of all of our technological advancements, there's less need to walk. And so we're sitting more and more and more, and we're doing less and less and less in the natural course of the day. And she said, so what's happening is, um, number one, we're losing strength in the muscles along the back body because we're sitting and not using them to locomote. And that also that sitting in and of itself shortens the area around here, which is the hip flexors and the psoas, and then also shortens the lower leg. And that people that wear heels, it's even worse because then the heel is up like this, and the muscle itself will start to make less cells and become shorter. That's why women that wear high heels all the time have a hard time like walking uphill in flats, right? Because that's gotten so shortened. So, um, so I've been trying to walk more because she says that walking is really like an excellent exercise when done in flat shoes that have no heel whatsoever. So for several reasons, one, that when your heel hits the ground, the message goes up the bone to make bone. So it creates more impact for osteogenesis. And that just regular walking, um, when done in proper alignment, so she's really on like what direction the muscles should be and how our bad posture is ruining that, and then they can't function properly. But yet if you're walking in proper alignment, then you're using like your arms and your legs and the push-off and all of that is like really a good exercise and that if I think there's actually a number I forget if it's 100 or 200 they already know like if you take a certain number of steps per minute it's already considered aerobic and it's one of those it's either 100 or 200 I just don't remember which of the two um and so it really doesn't take all that much to get in what is scientifically called aerobic really um and some scientists are beginning to think that actually doing long stressful workouts like let's say doing big long marathons or whatever actually creates an internal stress in the body so it creates a stress factor even though you think you're doing something good there's also these other negative uh, implications to what you're doing because it's going on for so you know longer than the body I think they said like an hour and a half is the most you should really um, work out in a day like work out work out so anyway so I've been trying to get more walking in because I realized that even though I go to the gym every day I really once I'm home I don't really walk very much you know I walk up and down my stairs but I don't really have a lot of need to walk it's not like when Vanessa was little and we'd always like walk to the park and play in the park and you know when you're by you know when you're older it's yeah. sedentary is the word that comes into reality <laughs> but do you think that that comes into reality because <clears throat> we're making choices like that are sedentary choices um I think unless you choose to decide things that are 
um, that push you outside of your your well, you know. I don't really have to go somewhere to work, right? I can just walk down to my garage. So that's another thing. People that work, then they're going to work and possibly walking around their office, etc. So, yeah, choices, of course, come into it. But I don't know. I don't know if we could really call them necessarily uh, all conscious decisions or are they cultural decisions or are those you know if we really look at how much every person is more sedentary than moving when you look back let's say two generations or even to our parents generations where um there, some people had cars, but yet a lot of people still were taking tra- public transportation, so then they had to walk to wherever that was, and wherever that happened to let them off, they had to walk to where they were going, and I think they found like places like like London that people actually walk more just because of that, because like they're walking more to get to their work, whereas in our country there's less of that, there's less like space and walking, and that um, I guess if you didn't count farms, because that's heavy, heavy labor, but just in general that they found that city people tend to walk more than like us, suburban, and I think it once again is because there's less um, good, useful municipal transit, so people are hopping in their car to go everywhere, right? They're just like doing that, and I think we have this a falsehood in our head about time so we feel like we don't have the time even if it would just take us a half hour and what would you be doing with that half hour you know and and so doing something like uh, going for a walk for a half hour is actually good for you on a muscular level, but it's also good for you on a cellular level, right? Because the blood is pumping more, you're getting more oxygen, fluids are able to exchange. So it's sort of, I don't know, it's sort of, I think it's a, um, a cultural evolution that's happening that's making us, without realizing it, more sedentary as opposed to more movement oriented throughout the day. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just hanging up on this thought of, um, you talked about time, and we have this concept that we're out of time. We need yeah. to hurry yeah. up. So we make a choice <clears throat> to get somewhere quicker, which is a car, so it keeps us in a sedentary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. lifestyle. And so on the one hand... I don't know, there was like a conflict. Like on the one hand, this thing, hurry up, move, move fast, move fast. But we're making choices in which our physicality isn't moving. Correct, correct. That's why I was saying there's like this this strange non-reality about time and how we use it. Because it's not really to our best benefit, let's say, to get to the store in five minutes, that would only take us a half hour to get, you know what I mean? It's sort of like, um, then what? Then how do you, that 
that time would have been well I don't know whatever but I think the ability to hold everything is we have 24 hours that's just a yeah. given and um, what I when I talk to a lot of people and I know for myself it's a struggle where I want to be engaged in work and busy I also want to be physically active I also want to have play time and it seems like I grab one of them and start really integrating it and the other two pop out or one of them pops out so then you go to grab that and this pops out Yeah. and there's this constant you know like yeah. How do you do it all? Yeah, it's not easy, definitely. And and it seems like it's not easy because, like you said, we've created a society that it's not easy in. You know, I can see cultures and lifestyles where it is easy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's a simplicity of life, I guess. I mean, it definitely seems like our um, emphasis on the outer encroachments, as it were, mm-hmm. has created a life in which we're never... Yeah, and um, it's kind of interesting because um, since doing this and going through the program and everything, um, I'm on this one Facebook page that a lot of the people that have already gone through the training and everything put up articles or ask questions or, you know, ask for help. And it's very interesting. There's a lot of the women, I can tell from what they're writing, that they're more like uh, at the beginning of their families, let's say. But it's very encouraging. There are quite a few of them that have posted comments that, you know, now I've decided to try to make walking be part of my natural activity and so I just like walk to the store, you know, or or walk to pick up my kid from school and and how much better they feel after doing that for a while. And then isn't that in some ways isn't that better for the children because I don't know about your kids, but my I know in my family, I see a lot of the little ones like on the computer, and I'm afraid to see what this next generation is going to be like because of that. Because, like, you know, well, <laughs> my little sister, who's you know, has a job in computers, but she had her little kids. You know how people used to say they put their kids in front of TV for mm-hmm. a babysitter. I can remember her putting her little ones in front of a computer, I think it was like at the age of two, and just letting them figure out how the game worked. And so I just wonder about how um, interpersonal relationships with other people are going to be affected by this whole generation where their whole entire life they've been with the computer as a main part of their entertainment and their time, you know. Um, I'm kind of like, kind of worried about what it's going to look like. (laughs) That's, I guess, a different segue, but... No, I just, I don't think there's any need to worry. I really think that... um The base aspect of nature and life 
is positive and productive, creative, and it's going to out. It's always going to find the but way. But those aren't the things that I worry about. None of those are the things I worry about. I worry more about the interpersonal. No, but that's what I mean, is that if, if that is truly an aspect to the health of life and humanity, it will find its way. And whatever is created that doesn't have the interpersonal will collapse. Just like I think okay. the United States is heading towards collapse. Correct. I would agree with that. Yeah, so, <laughs> and it's not like anything to get dramatic about. No, it's no, just I, historically I, looking at yes. world powers. Yeah. There's an element of them where it's no longer the people, you know, as it were. With yeah. These, okay, so, so, and it's kind of like I think. So uh, I hope you're right because that's the part I worry about because, well, you know, it might be a few generations or generations of generations, but it just will be fine. And maybe not, but then what? Like, so then you get into an element of who, what are we? Are we finite? You know, like, is the end of our life the end of our life? Or do we go beyond right. that? And if you have a personal belief, or decision about that, then I think that sort of paints the whole thing. Because if you think we're finite, then perhaps it's more catastrophic that humanity could be off the planet. <laughs> but if you don't believe that, then so what? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. True. <laughs> True. And that's a spot I'm never really sure where I lie. Well, that's probably wise. <laughs> I think. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not really sure, but I think I lean more towards we do go on. Yeah, I know. That's, that, that's sort of, um, it's not that I don't believe in that, and yet I know that still some of my... Um, I don't know, I still think that some of my thought patterns aren't really 100% harmonious with that. You know what I mean? I think there's still a little back and forth in that way. Yeah. Say <laughs> <laughs> <C> la vie. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, so uh, you um, brought up your first husband, Edward, earlier. Mm -hmm. And are you and Edward, do you still communicate with him? Well, he moved back to Virginia a long time ago to take care of his mom, who has Alzheimer's. So he moved back there, because there's only two brothers. Um, and so we don't really talk to each other a lot, but, um, but definitely like we still exchange Christmas cards, and if he wants to know something about Vanessa, every now and then he'll call. Uh, she still calls him, although she's not the best at that. Like, I still try to remind her when it's his birthday and <laughs> those things. <laughs> Call your dad. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, but it sounds like there's no animosity and anger. I don't, I don't know whether he still carries some... Um, I think he's made some comments to Vanessa in that regard. Um, is really kind of 
absolutely um, I, for lack of another word that comes to mind right away it's a little bit ridiculous <clears throat> because when I found the place in San Rafael finally that I thought would work okay for getting Vanessa to school and for me being able to afford to pay for it etc before I signed the lease I said to him are you sure this is what you want because once I sign the lease, there's no turning back. Like, there's no, you know, that's it. And they have offered me to sign the lease, so you need to know whether or not <coughs> this is, you know, really what you want. And he said, you know, so he said yes, I signed the lease and everything. And then I hear from um, from somebody that he was working at Kelly Moore Paints at that period in time, and so... Joe McCarthy comes and tells me that he's, like, saying to people that I left him and I left him with all this, you know, problem with the rent and, you know, all this other stuff. And I was like, you know, and before that he was like, oh, I think we'd be much better as friends. And, you know, then he, like, didn't want to talk. You know, it was just went through that whole, he definitely went through that whole anger phase um, for sure. Yeah, I recently had an experience, and I'm going to... Let me give a... Um, what do you call it? Prologue. <laughs> prologue, okay. This. The prologue is that I've been working with this doctor, and he um, is working on mindfulness and well-being in a person's life, and what are the attributes of that, and what practices can one do mm -hmm. to have well-being in one's life. He... Um, is a doctor and very pragmatic in his research and his own experience. And he has chronic illnesses, so he also is a case study for himself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He told me that there is a case, and there's many of them, but this one particular one he's talking about, of a woman who was multiple personalities. Her blood type, she had three distinct multiple personalities. Her blood type changed based on one of the... Whatever character she was in? Yeah, so she it was the same blood type for two of them, and it was different for the, uh, the third one of them. Oh, my God. Her eye color changed. She, um, there were some other things, and it's documented. Oh, holy So whoa. part of what his, like, baseline belief is, our thoughts change our physiology. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, so so to me, that's like proof that, and it is third hand, so I accept that, but proof that our thoughts change physical reality. So, and then talk, this kind of does tie into Edward, and this no, is how okay. it goes. Okay, so the other day, I was feeling this, like, animosity, anger towards my sister-in-law, who we all, she, we live together, and... Um, I definitely have my ODD pet peeve things. <laughs> and I looked in the shower, and I'm feeling this, like, ah, And I look in the shower, and there's hair in the shower. And I'm like, ah, and I knew she just took a shower. I'm like, ah, look at your hair, ah. And then, I'm, and then I kind of caught myself. I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? That has, you know, like, what you're feeling has nothing to do with her. So what's going on? And I, like, took a breath. I'm like, okay, whoa, whatever. I look in the shower. There's no hair in the shower. <laughs> it's clean. <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> and I think for couples, 
And I have this current experience where someone like called me out on all this stuff, you know, and said I should own up to all this stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm willing to talk with you about it. When's a good time to talk? And the person's disappeared so far. You know, life's not over. But you're talking about Edward where you're hearing A, he's telling the world C, and then it's experiencing D. And I think our minds are so con convoluted, like we've got such a rat's nest. Yeah. If we haven't taken some time and practice to go into the rat nest and slowly <laughs> But like that that it's so easy to do that. Like I could have easily blown up at my sister in law and gone like, Why don't you take the hair out of here? You know, when was there hair there? Did my mind change? <laughs> Dissolve the, the hair. Right. Like, <laughs> I think there's potential for that to be real, that my mind created it, my mind dissolved it, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And then to bring two people together with that going on, it's a complex thing. Like talking about your second husband, Mark, one of the things that I think about a lot is here was this new love, your wedding was wonderful, both very happy. And are you comfortable with me bringing up the accident? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like a curveball. Like that's not even appropriate. You know, left field. Suddenly, this person you've married and it's very new. It actually happened before the wedding. It did. Yeah. Ah, yeah. I remembered it after. Yeah, yeah. It was before, and that's. Um, it sort of changed the whole internal complexion of the wedding really because like for Mark it was sort of like rebirth you know Um, and the thing that was really shocking to me in a way was after Mark was out of the hospital and I don't honestly remember if it was before the wedding or after the wedding but I think it was before he told me that that experience made him very sure about marrying me, which made me feel like he wasn't really still having some hesitation, you know, before that, but just seeing that I was, like, there, like, all the time um, gave him, you know, a more clearer feeling that it was the right thing to do. So it was, yeah, that was, that was, you can talk about anything you want from that accident it was really crazy like now so it's what that reminded me of is still to this day there's elements of me continually accepting my marriage with Liz I continually um yeah like a re mm-hmm. like it's almost like redoing the vows you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. um have, is that true with you in your marriage? Is there, like, it's there's no end in the credits roll and you're done. <laughs> no, I don't think it's ever like that. Um, <laughs> too bad. I guess it could be, you know, when people really are have decided that their marriage is just convenience, then maybe it feels like that. You know, I mean, there are definitely, unfortunately, very many marriages that become just a convenience and they each sort of do whatever and, you know, 
it isn't what it was in the beginning, but yet they don't want to separate. I can remember a really, really long time ago, and I don't remember the man's name, but it was someone that I knew from, you know, from working and being in Mill Valley for so long. And he owned that property right across the street from the shoe store, the shoe repair store, Tony's. And he, his, he and his wife owned a lot of property. He, he actually said to me this, like, you know, person that wasn't really an intimate friend of his. He said, you know, he's like, I couldn't afford to get divorced now. He's like, there, there's no way. We, we, like, have to stay together. There's just too much, you know, that I've built that I would lose. And unfortunately, I do think that some people... Um, you know, stay together because of that, and don't want and, to lose their stuff. <laughs> no, I hate to say it, but right. I, I think there are some people that um, that live that life, that that becomes um, part of their thinking around: do we stay together or don't we stay together? You know, and. Uh, so maybe if if it goes beyond just that to where, okay, we're just staying together because, you know, whatever, then then maybe it does feel more like the you know, the credits rolling, <laughs> <laughs> sitting at the table, paper <laughs> newspaper, <laughs> <Rest> here. <laughs> um, do you think your relationship with Mark has benefited from the dissolvement of your marriage with Edward and you processing what that was about? I, um, that's a hard one. There were two main things from my perspective, which... You know, if you talk to Edward, would be a different perspective. But there were definitely two things from my perspective that were very, very difficult with Edward. And one of them, I think, came from the fact that where they lived, they they live in in a beautiful spot in Virginia, but it basically is open land on that side of the road, open land behind their house. And just one row of houses. And the main town was down this road. It wasn't like, oh, we can just walk, you know, a mile and be in downtown. So he and his older brother, who now is not on this planet, um, were more introverted. His younger brother was more involved. He always was working with the school newspaper. He was always involved, like, politically in school. Um, but basically those boys were very, um, inbred with themselves. They were their best friends and they were all boys. So there was no girls that they were around since so much of their time was spent together. And I think that became a problem later because he didn't really have friends that he talked to, which, you know, the stereotype says that guys less talk to their friends about their problems but but in this case what would happen is we could have an argument we could have a discussion we could come to some agreement and then three days later after he's mulling this over in his head he would come back feeling like he gave up everything 
that it wasn't a compromise. And so there was never a way to really, really work things out because you'd think you had worked it out and then all of a sudden he'd come back feeling like he had given up everything. And, um, you know, that comes from can come from a lot of different areas, you know, self-esteem or not having the experience or, you know, many different places that that could come from. But that made it, uh, you know, rather difficult. You know, not that there, that doesn't mean that maybe later on there would be another problem, but to feel like you can't ever come to a middle ground and say, yes, okay, you know. I mean, not nobody in any relationship can make it happen if they're not willing to compromise. I mean, that's what relationship is about. Everybody has their own thing, you're coming together, so you have to find that middle. I mean, that's how I feel anyway. You have to find that area. So that was um, really, really difficult. And, you know, then there were other uh, sexual issues that were not a perfect fit. And, uh, you know, some people from the outside would just tell me, like, you know, afterwards they'd say, you know, you just were a much stronger person than him. And so there was an unbalance in in that but I think that also came from that same place where then he had um, was lacking in self esteem but he he's a great guy I mean he's a great human being really kind and you know talented and all of that stuff so it's not not that you know like I never felt like that um, but it just got to the point that it just was like, okay, my heart is ready to move on. You know, I need, I, I just needed that feeling of, you know, <laughs> you know, that, and it just happened. It just happened one day. I was in a restaurant and I saw this person that I thought was a really nice person. And I could feel inside myself, okay. Yeah, you know, I, I need to move on because just feeling that surge of that, it was just. Um... Was that person Mark? No, 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 I'm not going to say who it yeah. was. I can tell you off the camera, <laughs> but not on the camera. Um, but yet it made me realize that, you know, that that was, that it was time, you know, that, that I, I was physically wanting that, you know, not that person, but wanting that. That feeling. Yes, and exactly. someone that you could connect with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, <coughs> kind of funny that that was like the... <coughs> Excuse me. That's okay. Was that a cough or a sneeze? A cough. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, with Mark... There's a good chance you're going to go, no way, this isn't going live. <laughs> um, well, as long as you can edit, right? No. Oh, no, you can't. Okay. No. All right. No okay. <laughs> but, you know, you got to, we got plenty of time for you to say no. But, okay, so with Mark, are there dynamics that, let me, um, again, preface this. So I, with my relationship with Liz... There are elements that challenge me a lot. 
and elements were um, like it almost at times would seem like best not to deal with this mm. however there's a baseline where I know I am becoming the person I truly want to be by meeting by dealing with these challenges mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and again they don't really have anything to do with her it's more stuff's coming up inside me that I don't like that I don't want to look at that I don't want to feel and um, and so I'm a better person for remaining in the fire sometimes. Mm. Do you find that to be real with you and Mark? Mm. Like ultimately, are you on the path of who you want to be in your relationship with Mark? Um, in most ways, yes. The, um, I think the, the biggest rub that comes back over and over, like you were saying, really has to do with communication. For whatever reason... Sometimes Mark hears exactly the opposite of what I said. And that's really a hard one to know how to work with. And so I, you know, I wish... I mean, sometimes he will say, Oh, it must just be because you're from the East Coast and I'm from Southern California. It must be something about your dialect that I just, you know, hear you different or, or whatever. But yet, there, there's something else and I don't know what it is that uh, must be going on for that to happen. Because it happens, like, you know, not like every day, but it will happen. And it's always like very perplexing you know and yet it's not like I have a tape recorder going all the time in my house or something that we can go over it and say okay you know rewrite that tape <laughs> installed security cameras but they're all pointed inside <laughs> so that's a hard one because um, because I know he feels it too it's not just like one sided you know, that sometimes the the verbal transfer doesn't match up. And um, it's definitely a challenge. One thing I am very grateful for with Mark, because um, he used to have, like, a m much worse temper than now. He's definitely tempered down a lot while he's been with me. Um, but one thing is that when we would have a discussion, usually we were able to get somewhere and he didn't change it three days later. You know what I mean? Like, he, so he's sort of um, more along the lines of being able to have a conversation and I can say what I'm feeling and he can say what he's feeling and we can try to 
figure it out and okay <laughs> that one's done you know you know which is a great you know coming from where I came from it's it's um really nice to be able to do that and um yeah I think it was hard with with Edward because he was basically a frustrated artist and both of us are of that um character type if we were to say we're both artistic and so there was always um some unspoken riff about that like when I used to dance all the time I think there would be like him feeling like oh but you're not making any money doing it like why are you doing it and you know you should be teaching you know whatever and I think it came from his frustration around his painting which I'm very sad that he's never really even I was hoping when he went back to Virginia that maybe he could let himself get it out in the world because I think he's very talented <coughs> um, so I think there was always something about that too like you know having the perseverance even though it didn't have a monetary reward and you know I don't know it was, it's complicated one of my friends who um, is happily married to the best of my knowledge and he's well off and he said because another friend did a documentary interviewing people about relationships so my well-off friend said from his experience with being involved with that documentary he found there's always two things that seem to disrupt relationships sex and money yeah sex money and space they say not having enough space is really really hard on a relationship money is huge huge nobody can get away from that it's just too big and then yeah i mean if you're not energetically right sex is an energy exchange and so if that doesn't happen then yeah yeah but i think again i think sex is a choice to a degree at least that's my experience there's an element of um i can sleep with anyone you know given yeah well we're not talking about that are we because there's a difference if you have a connection with someone right there is hmm it's a good one well I do believe that us as a society us as humanity do not know the depth of what really happens even if you just sleep with someone and it, for you it's a one night thing and you're like whatever you know there's still an exchange yeah I agree yeah I agree so that's just a given in the biology of the act um, makes it even more so yeah makes that little cord connection right right that's why you try to tell people, you know, you try to instill that in your kids. It's never as casual as you really think. Right. Right. And I think that, yeah, happens anyway. 
Where was that going? The eyes no, were going. No, so I was just thinking, I don't really have any experience, but I know, like, I'm trying to think. I'm, I don't think I have any personal experience. So this is hearsay again, which I, you know, hearsay to me, uh, kind of dangerous. But you hear, I hear a lot of people who, you know, they're with someone and it's like a booty call thing. It's like, whatever, I don't care. But then the person goes, okay, I found someone, we're done. And suddenly there's like, oh, oh wait, there's like, so there was more to it than that, just that. Yeah, well, some people on a spiritual level will say that. I mean, that any time you have sex, there is a psychic cord that connects. Yeah. So it's just all a matter of how you think and what you believe. But that, I mean, there are definitely people in the psychic realm that would say that. That cords need to be severed if you want to clear yourself. And severing cords is hard. Yeah. It's yeah. like a painful thing. I, I'm more prone to us establishing more chords and learning how to live in peace with that because <laughs> I think that's really the given like that's the reality severing chords is not practical yep <laughs> <laughs> he goes uh, was there anything else like, I feel like we kind of <laughs> it was definitely a jump 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 yeah <laughs> So was that person Peter? The Peter Nevins? No. What um, person? The person you said that one of your friends that was that was well off was into. Oh no. 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 Person across the bay. Yeah. Yeah. No, not Peter. Um. I feel complete in this. Is there okay, anything good. like? Is there anything more <laughs> that you'd like to say? Or no? How are you feeling about it? Uh, I feel okay. I don't think we uh, went in any treacherous zones that we have to really worry about. So. So you feel like this could go live? For you, not me. It's a beautiful world. It's a beautiful.